Max f***ing Verstappen. <laughs> and that's the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did Max Verstappen, the winner of the Miami Grand Prix for the second year in a row, give you these parting gifts on your heads? He didn't specifically, but the team said we could have them, with the caveat being we have to wear them post-race if they won. And now I figured that's a pretty safe bet for them that they, they were going to win. You know, one of them was going to win it, and uh, yeah, it proved to be true. They, they were trying to get us to wear them on the grid, but that's where we drew the line. That's where professionalism yeah, I, comes of in. Course. I said, I, you cannot, my integrity that, yeah. is too much for me to accept that. But I will do it after the race. <laughs> yeah, and, for, and for anyone listening on the podcast, we should probably explain that Nate is wearing the Red Bull limited edition Miami bucket hat. I am wearing the weird golf Pfizer which thing, which I don't think anyone well. has seen since what, like You look like a Dolphins head coach, so oh, right. it's fitting. Yeah. Oh, the, okay. Big football oh, is that what they were? I was oh, going right, to okay. go struggling Danish golf professional. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. That I will take. Um, yeah. Yeah. The word professional coach. is enough to, uh, Thank to, you, to, yeah. to make me take that one on. Yeah, that's great. Katie George, Nate Saunders, Lawrence Edmondson, and our special guest, Spencer Hall, who we sadly couldn't get a mic flag. Do you feel special? Yes, the nude mic always makes me feel special. <laughs> Let's get into it. Max Verstappen, the story coming into the Miami Grand Prix was his little slip up during Q3 and qualifying the day before. He started P9 and made quick work of slicing through every driver in his path, ultimately overtaking his teammate as well to win the Miami Grand Prix. Now, Sergio Perez started on pole. I'm curious your thoughts, Lawrence, on the different strategies the team went for for both drivers. So they said their simulations suggested that Perez's strategy was actually the faster one. Um, Max knew that starting from ninth, he probably needed to do something different if he was going to stand a chance of winning the race. And so he went with uh, the hard tires and then the medium. Him and his engineer were pretty convinced that that was the right way to go. Obviously, they were correct. Uh, Christian Horner had to sign it off to make sure there was no uh, disputes within the team afterwards over who had the best strategy, who had the worst one. But going into the race, they genuinely felt that Checo's one was better. So what changed? Well, part of it was just Max being brilliant. And uh, he really made it work. That long stint on the hard tyres, um, towards the end of it, he was still putting in ridiculously fast lap times for tyres of that age and that compound. And uh, that was the key to victory. The other thing we should say probably is that Checo, I know he got pole position, but he was never really that comfortable with the car the whole weekend. And, and I think that was the difference, is that this was a racetrack that Max was really good at. He just made that mistake in qualifying. Then there was the red flag. That left him in ninth. Otherwise, he would have probably started from pole, done the medium hard thing, and won anyway. Spencer, do you feel like it was a disappointing day for Sergio Perez? On balance, no, because he was still second mm -hmm. and because that's where he should be. I think maybe our expectations of what he's capable of and where he is in the team in terms of the overall power scheme of Red Bull, I think they've been distorted by the past couple of weeks because we're looking for something interesting. But on the whole, if I told you this is the way it was going to play out today before the season started, you'd go, oh, yeah, sure, that makes total sense. So, like, I don't want to get too lost in the present, right? Um, he lost position, but he lost position to Max Verstappen. Right. That's fine. That's fine as an F1 driver. I thought it was interesting. Coming into the race, Caesar Sportsbook had put the over-under for Sergio Perez wins this year at 1.5. He's already hit the over, and we're five races in. The Red Bull obviously is unbelievable, but are we not giving him the credit that he's due as a driver? Is he just in such good form right now? Yeah, I think that speaks to kind of some of the struggles he's had over the past two seasons and how good Max has been since they've been teammates. 
Um, yeah, I'm surprised they put it that low, to be honest with you, because I think we've seen he's got better and better and better. I think with Matt, uh, sorry, with, with Sergio, the, the issue he's got is that on most week weekends, you know, Spencer said finishing second is no thing to be ashamed of. Problem is, the other guy in the other car is probably the best driver in F1 right now. And, you know, you've got to contend with that every weekend. So I think he'll probably get a handful, you know, if, if you're being honest. Like, I'd, I'd love him to get 10, because that would mean there'd be a championship fight. But um, I think the, I think... Perez against most other drivers, I think, would be a legitimate title contender. I think it's just very unlucky that, similar to what Bottas had with Hamilton, you know, you're going up against a generational talent, and you know, Barrichello had it with Schumacher, Weber had it with Vettel. You know, you you have these characters in Formula One that sometimes are good drivers, but they're just not quite as good as the guys they're up against. So, I think that's, <coughs> pardon me, I don't know what happened there. This it's been a long weekend. It has been a long weekend. Yeah. I think I've got some dust from all the all the packing up that's going on around here. But yeah, n nothing to be ashamed of. But I think that. Um, the realistic expectation for Checo is a guy that's going to win you a few races, probably not going to win you enough to be champion as a standalone champ himself. With fastest lap, Max Verstappen is now 14 points ahead of his teammate in the driver's standings. Red Bull, obviously, by far and away ahead in the Constructors' Championship. Fernando Alonso seemed pretty pleased post-race in media, uh, finishing P3 after starting P2. Lance Stroll made up six positions after kind of a diabolical situation yesterday. How do you feel like Aston feels about their, their performance this weekend? The performance was in the car. Um, what went wrong with Lance on uh, in qualifying was that he tried to make it through Q1 on one set of soft tyres. Now that is a sign of how confident they were because um, to do that with the track ramping up the way it was during qualifying is incredibly difficult. You need to get a lap completely hooked up. He didn't get it and then that's the difference, you know. But again, look, but Fernando Alonso, you, you, you put him in a car that's kind of, you know, competitive, he's going to get the best result out of it. And at the moment, there's a real fine line between the Mercedes, the Ferrari, the Aston Martin. I would say the Ferrari is probably the fastest over a single lap. I think if we'd had a qualifying session without a red flag, although it was caused by a Ferrari, but if we'd had one without and you'd had just the best lap from each car, the Ferrari probably would have been ahead of the Aston Martin. But in the race, it all turns around and uh, you've got... Um, you know the, the Aston Martin being, being quicker the Mercedes actually looked way better in the in the race and so um, yeah at the moment that battle is so tight but the one man that keeps getting the best out of his uh, machinery is Fernando Alonso let's follow the Ferrari thread Carlos Sainz posted quickly after the race tough weekend for us Spencer what did you make of Carlos finishing P5 and Charles Leclerc starting in P7 and finishing in the same spot can I, can I just call this like like two degrees of underwhelm Right? Like, I don't want to say, like, massively <laughs> underwhelming, but, like, can I just give you two little notches on the dial of underwhelm? Because that's about where they are, right? If I told you that they had finished, like, fourth and sixth, if I told you they finished third and fifth, that would be slightly better. This is where Ferrari lives at this point, right? Is that we go two degrees of underwhelm, two degrees of overperformance. They're always going to be right here at good. That seems to be where they're stuck right now, right? And where they'll probably be for the rest of the season, particularly with, like, I think we might take a few more degrees of underwhelm if the upgrades at mercedes measure up to anything like what they are supposed to be then obviously they're going to look worse in comparison because our expectations are a zero-sum game right we cannot say good things about mercedes without taking some chips away from ferrari that's just inevitable what do you think happened with Charles Leclerc? Because obviously some people were able to make overtakes around him in that train, but unfortunately he stayed in the same spot. Yeah, it was a strange weekend for him. Um, you know, obviously <clears throat> went very aggressive with the approach to that last lap in qualifying. And um, it was, I mean, he, he, he wasn't helped at the end. Obviously he was on a different strategy to Lewis, who was able to come through on better tires. So I don't think he really had any, any 
chance in that fight. But yeah, he seemed whenever we saw Charles, he was just kind of stuck in either a DRS train or he, you know, he had that weird fight with Magnuson where, you know, Magnuson. I know there were, you know, there were different tire stretches at play, but you wouldn't expect a Haas to be fighting Charlotte. He got him straight back, but it was just, it was just bizarre, you know. And you looked at it and you thought, that's not, you know, that's not kind of the fighting Charlotte that you usually, usually see. So I don't know. I, I don't know whether he, he seemed when we spoke to him here a few hours ago. He just see, you know, he looked as dejected as as you've seen him. You know, we keep joking that he's going to go and write another absolute classic on the piano, uh, but like he, that's that seems to be where he's at right now. You know, just very, very. I don't even, I don't even think like miserable is the word. I think he's just really deflated, and I don't know whether that, you know, ties into how he races. I think these guys are all professional and they're good at leaving a lot of that at the door, but it must affect you in some way. You know, you wouldn't be human if it didn't. So I think there's some of that. I, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about that and, and Lawrence as well. He never seemed comfortable this weekend. Yeah. Like, he didn't seem comfortable in the car. Didn't seem comfortable with the track. Bouncing all over the place. Having serious issues with it. You know, not to like, not to give him credit where credit isn't due. But like, I didn't think once you saw him finish seventh and I heard him, you know, finish, he ended up finishing seventh, right? I, I didn't think, it, you know, I was like, okay, that's getting through this weekend. Like, he was clearly uncomfortable and just was like, I'm going to stay right here. I think that's why he was in a, a fight with the Haas, is that I don't think he felt like he could be aggressive, given given how he felt with the car. Yeah, I, he locked himself into what he said was quite an aggressive setup for qualifying. And I think uh, Ferrari were quite confident coming into this race weekend. They felt it was a track that was going to suit them. And I think in his mind, he thought, well, if I go super aggressive and have this really twitchy car in qualifying, maybe I can, you know, even get amongst the Red Bulls like he did in Baku. Maybe at least I can be uh, third on the grid and then just take it from there and hope that he can hold everyone off. And uh, obviously it went wrong in qualifying in such a big way. But don't forget, when you have he had an accident in practice, he had an accident in qualifying. When you have big hits like that, big shunts like that, it's going to chip away at your confidence, you know. And also, the mechanics have got to start putting the car back together. And as good as these mechanics are, sometimes, you know, the car isn't quite right, isn't quite as perfect as it was when it first rolled out the pits on uh, Friday morning. So I think there were quite a few things, quite a few setbacks uh, to his whole weekend. And, um, and that's what happens. Nate made a very good point. Uh, I think it was after qualifying is, uh, you know, is Leclerc good enough to be a world champion driving like this? And we, it's not the first time we've seen it. He always is right on that very limit which is why it's so exciting to watch yeah. but it's also the question mark over him of whether he's really on the level of Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, Fernando Alonso. Because with those guys you never see these weekends really. <clears throat> I know Lewis has had a few weekends where he hasn't looked off it but he often comes back through you know and we, it's very rare to see that so it is concerning if you're Ferrari you're probably looking at it right now you've obviously Carlos Sainz I think you, you were saying about the degrees of underwhelm I think yeah. Sainz is good at turning that right up sometimes yeah. but Charles has been doing it as well recently so if you're looking at the long term I'm not I'm not sitting here saying Ferrari should get rid of both their drivers but you've got to be looking at it you know Red Bull and, uh, and Mercedes you look at their driver lineups how they're performing at the moment you're trying to get good performances out of two guys that want the best from Ferrari mm -hmm. had that awful year last year where they thought we can be champions in March and by June they were like well we're not even going to we're not even going to challenge for the championship so I think there's a lot going on there behind the scenes. Obviously, Benotto's gone. I think that I think it's just rough at Ferrari right now. You know, I've, I spoke to somebody you know who's um, very close to signs this weekend, and um, I got the impression that you know things are just it, they're kind of treading water in a lot of ways at this point. Culturally, a lot of things are changing. Obviously, the car's not where they want it to be, and I think that all in all, I think every race is just a bit of a slog at the moment for them. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. The same could be said for Mercedes. I mean, after yesterday's qualifying, you saw bad quote after bad quote. They seemed very dejected, a word you used for Ferrari. And then today, I guess they impressed or surprised a lot of us who were expecting possibly more bad form. Yeah, this is the confusing thing about Mercedes at the moment, and I think they're as confused as anyone. So it's How funny. Do I, I hit him with this pillow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Figure um, it out. Yeah, and I mean, Toto Wolff, I've been going to his uh, media sessions throughout the season, and sometimes you have these real low ones where, like, it feels like the whole world is when, imploding when on them. He goes low, man. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, a I, I worry about him. It's an abyss. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, this is the worst car ever. It's a, <laughs> it's a, and. Okay, I won't say the word he used because he was off the record, but, but yeah, imagine the worst possible word you can have for a Formula 1 car. That, that's what he called it on Saturday. And then today it kind of came together and, uh, you know, the drivers did a good job for sure. Ferrari struggled a bit, so it's all relative, isn't it? But yeah, it's, it's still a long way off and, and they are really looking forward to this Imola upgrade. Uh, and really what Toto was saying is that it might not cure all the problems. It's not going to put them in the fight with Red Bull, but what it will do is just eliminate a few of the question marks they have over this car. They're going to take away some of the things that they, they think are, are really holding them back and hopefully create a better platform to progress forward. It's not the platform if they could start again completely, they would start with. They're going to have to wait till next year for that because they just do not have the uh, possibility within the budget cap to completely redesign the chassis and, and go again. But um, this they're hoping they'll learn some lessons from. And you know, if it, if it works well and it creates a platform and they get some learnings from it over, over the next few races, it could be enough to see them start to edge away from um, Aston Martin and Ferrari, of course, depending on what those two teams bring as well. Let's go through best of the rest from who you saw perform today. Oh, Alpine certainly bounced back Al- Alpine, after. Yeah, Alpine's probably the pick there if you had to. You know? Especially given the last two races, really not maximizing their pace. Yeah. O- Ocon and Gasly both said yesterday, the key here is we've just got to get points on the board. We've got to get both cars to the finish. Um, and I think really, if you look at it realistically, that's probably their best finish. So I'd, I'd say that's a good that's a good pick. Uh, Kevin Magnussen for me. I yeah. Mean, fourth yeah. in quali and then obviously picking up that point. And yeah, he was racing Leclerc yeah. lap after lap. You know, And I, it almost felt like there was a, a potentially a, a better result in there. But you've you got to be realistic about where Haas are. And uh, obviously with Stroll not being... Um, among the top 10. I'm right in saying that. I know my mind's yep. just gone blank. Um, obviously, he, he was the guy that, that slipped in there and, and took the final point on offer when you've got the, 
Red Bulls, the Ferraris, the Mercedes, and the Alpines, um, and the Aston Martins taking up points positions. With, Ke with, with, with K-Mag, when that was going on, Lawrence and I, we're both big fans of Kevin, you know, aggressive racer. Can I just say Nate is a much bigger fan yeah, of Kevin I, than I, 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 yeah, I, I do like Kevin, I, I do like Kevin, but, but Nate especially. He's, yeah, I, I love K-Mag, I think he's great. You know, great, great personality, because he's, you know, he's just very Scandinavian, but when he races, he's always raced the same way. But one thing I noticed today, and I know we'll get onto them, the driver intros, Kevin had a huge reaction from the fans here. You know, he was one of the loudest, and again, it loudest from where I was, but my vantage point, there were some drivers who didn't even didn't even register anything. It was one that um, got, got booze. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I wonder who it could have been. Hmm. Save that for later. <laughs> yeah, we'll save yeah. it for later. By, by the way, you'll never um, be happier than a Scandinavian in Miami. Yeah. Never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All of the Scandinavian drivers, when they come here, just glow. They're thrilled. I will say I was hopeful that Valtteri Bottas would be in this discussion of best of the rest. After starting in the top 10, he finished P7 a year ago here in the Alfa Romeo had some success unfortunately just not his race but I think Alpine bouncing back certainly is a good storyline to continue to follow to see if they build this momentum and keep it going in Imola as well as K-Mag because Nico Hulkenberg has outperformed him to a degree up until this point so it was really nice to see him get in the points let's head to the doghouse segment uh, it's been a long day in Miami it really at this point. Been. I'm getting slap happy as things are being Crashing. packed up here from yeah. all of the different garages. Who would you put in the doghouse and intros are fair game? Oh, okay. Intros are fair game. Well, I'm going to leave the intros alone because I actually liked the intros. I, well, I liked the idea of the intros. I haven't actually fully been able to watch the whole thing yet. Uh, which, So, you know, I'll let one of these guys do that if they want to. I'm going to put Lance Stroll in there because I think, you know, the pace of that Aston Martin, how good that car is how much Alonso got out of it. Obviously, Lawrence explained why Stroll was in the position he was in in qualifying. But um, you know, if you're in a car like that, you've got to be putting it in the top six. And I think we're starting to see the disparity between Alonso and Stroll more and more each weekend. Still massive respect for the way he started the season with all his injuries and stuff. But I think it's been long enough now that you can start to say that that's not, you know, it's not a factor anymore. So um, yeah, I'd stick Stroll in there. Uh. I'm going to put McLaren in there because um, uh, yeah, the performance cool. wasn't there and this is the race after they brought their big update which was meant to be this is where we should have been right from the start of the year watch us kind of move back towards the top 10 and start scoring points again and in Baku you could forgive them a little bit you know they're actually fairly competitive in Baku but you could forgive them a bit because they had that one practice session here they had three practice sessions and just never really got it together um, I, to be honest I need to dig into it a bit to find out the exact reasons I, I didn't make it along to much of their media but I don't know if you, if you guys know well, why it was missing so much Lando it was an annoying situation our mix zone I was so far away from Lando I couldn't quite hear everything he said but he keeps saying this same phrase he keeps saying the problems that we've been saying are in the car we now know are in the car so he keeps saying you know, we've been saying these problems are here we've been saying these problems are here and even now you know, it's clearly not set up issues I think there's fundamental issues still so does, do you think that he's car. frustrated that he doesn't feel like they're being listened to as drivers? I think potentially. I mean, we heard Lewis Hamilton say similar, didn't mm -hmm. we? He said Mercedes haven't, didn't listen last year to what I wanted. And Lando, you know, the, what you hear about him is he's a very vocal guy with his feedback to, to the team. And obviously it's not a situation where they can change things quickly. I think for him the frustration is this is another wasted year. Yeah. And, you know, he's got to sit through, he's got to listen to the same questions. But he was, a, he was really dejected today. I've not seen him like that for, for a while, so... Yeah, he's another one, you know, like the Ferrari boys, just in a really yeah. tough situation. It was a bad day at the kids' table. It was a bad day for the rookies <laughs> yeah. overall, especially for Logan Sargent. Like, I, I know yeah. it's his home territory. I'm, I'm sure he was hoping for a better performance than that. I know everyone finished, but, like, not a great day for Project Patriotism. 
in terms <laughs> of let, let's let's get some electricity surrounding the American. It was a learning experience. Let's be charitable. It was a learning experience mm. for Logan Sargent today. But I think that's fair. I was going to stick him in the doghouse tentatively because, I, I think that's fair, I, and yeah. I know realistically, you know, what can we expect from the Williams? I was hoping for better than P20 and qualifying as well as where he finished today, just in front of his home crowd being, what, 20, 30 minutes away up yep. the street in Fort Lauderdale. Um, you know, for your first American race, it, it just didn't feel like the greatest showing that no. possibly could have been. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Let's discuss the intros because obviously a lot of drivers um, took issue with it. If you miss it at the top of the race before LL Cool J, um, Grammy winner? Sure. Surely. Sure. And also he got, he's Whatever. from Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. Great movie, great by movie. the way. People, <laughs> great movie. I'm glad you brought that up. I love I that I love film. shark movies. Anyways, yeah, we, we'll do a different pod oh, on that. That's a whole new pod we should start. <laughs> Thank you. Deadliest Catch into that. Yeah, do you guys that. get love that, that over? That. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that. Anyways, yeah. LO Cool J practice announcing every single driver. They came out with the Miami Dolphins cheerleaders. There was, I think, an orchestra kind of involved. And the crowd got to applaud them before coming out and obviously getting to the grid. A lot of issues because drivers said I didn't have time to mentally prepare. I didn't have time to have conversations with my engineers like I normally would. It wasn't my normal routine prior to getting into the car and getting my helmet on. How do we feel about the intros? Obviously, it's there for entertainment, but at the end of the day, they are trying to achieve a goal, and that's win a race. Yeah, so F1 did change the schedule so that they had an extra 10 minutes to account for this, uh, for this presentation. And they actually did that in Baku last weekend. So in that race where they didn't have a presentation, but they had the extra 10 minutes, all the drivers were complaining that they were hanging around, they had nothing to do and all this kind of stuff. Then they gave them something to do, which I thought was kind of cool. And, uh, and it was way better than the one we had in Austin a few years ago, which was really drawn out. That went on a very long time. This one I felt it was shut, you know, they got through it. Uh, Will I am conducting like this orchestra? I mean, you know, that was, everyone's well, not everyone's taste um but to ours yeah but but still like i i, I thought it was okay and look the, it's it is a show like the, some of the drivers are saying well this just shows that you know it's too much of a show and all this kind of stuff it's like no it is yeah. a show like that's the, the only reason that this sport is as big as it is that we're here in miami with this gigantic paddock around a football stadium is because of the fans it's because of you know the interest that that kind of stuff builds up so um I don't think it's too much to ask to, for the drivers to take an extra 10 minutes in their schedule at that point. But No, I completely agree. And you're right about the show, mate, because a lot of these drivers have become household names because of a Netflix documentary that showed 
the show element of Formula One. That's what it's made it has made it famous. You know, some drivers, I get it. You know, drivers want to be in the zone and and all that stuff. But Formula One has got all of these races now in different territories. Three in America. You've got so many across the world, and we keep hearing from Formula One and team bosses, etc., that the way these races are going to stay on the calendar long term is by forging out their own identity. Mm-hmm. Christian Horn had a great quote to us today. We, Lawrence and I both went down to his media session. He was like, you know, some drivers won't like high-fiving celebrities and walking through dry ice when they uh, come in. Was it dry ice? Is that the right word? The, the smoky ice? Is that dry ice? A smoke machine. Yeah, right, yeah whatever. Yeah. yeah, he said something like that. But he said, you're not going to see that in Silverstone. He said, you're never going to see that in Silverstone because... You know, Brits are too cynical for that kind of thing. He said, you might if they're wearing like a suit and a bow tie, the drivers. But every event needs to have something that's uniquely local to it. Now, I know that's not Miami necessarily, but it's very American. And it felt like more of a Super Bowl style show than it did like a, you know, a British Grand Prix or something. And I think as long as as long as events stay true to where they're from, they do things that, you know, make you feel like it's a race there. Like one of the worst things we always used to say is we, we always hate soulless Grand Prix like Sochi in Russia. Yes, it was in Russia, but there was just nothing really to it. This race, it had something. It's a bit like the fake marina. Everyone's talking about it. They love it. They hate it. Everyone's talking about it. And I think Miami, two years running, have found something that divides people in that way. And I think that's not a bad thing. Those are all great points. I still support anyone's desire to complain about their job at any time, no matter how much they're paid. And that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So if they want to do that, that's awesome. Let them. That's, I support labor. If they want to complain, excellent. They still have to do it. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. It's part of the gig. But if you want to complain about it, eh, that's fine. That's more color. It also adds comedy next year when they still have to do it. And I know how much Lando Norris hates it. Yeah, yeah. And he still has to smile and wave. When yeah, also, it's okay, Is on. that the hill you want to die on? Yeah, right. Like, as George Russell was like, I had to stand in the sun for too long. I was like, come on. I mean, yeah. look, I know that's frustrating. He's very pale. Yeah, yeah. well, th- there is that. There is that yeah. to it. But again, like with this, uh, I saw a lot of people on Twitter complaining who probably weren't American. You know, they're saying, oh, this is terrible for a European fan. It's like... Well, it wasn't wasn't made for you. I don't particularly enjoy Drive to Survive. I'll, I'll be honest with you, but it's not made for me. I'm a yeah. I'm somebody who's been watching Formula One my whole life. Sure. I cover it. I watch it's it. And I'm like, yeah, and I watch it. And I'm like, this isn't for me. But that's that's fine, you know. So and, and, and if the Amer- if the race in America is Americanized, like, yeah, right, <laughs> why exactly. is that a surprise if, to anyone? If, if we turn like, up to Monza yeah, and, exactly. and and you have to sing, sorry, we're going to do the Star Spangled Banner before we race, I'm like, all right, this Americanism might be going steady too on. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was. A a little tone there with the stars. I sung banner. it, by the way. I sung it on the grid. I love that anthem. So none, okay, no, no issue with it. But in Italy, good. I was my point being that it would, be, it would be weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great anthem, by the way. Top, top. Yeah, anthem. Th- thank you. It's it, we stole it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm we're British. Check out our museums. Yeah. Everything's All right. Stolen. Before we. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry. Hold anyway. on. Is <laughs> That's another um, point of, that's the another Miami point. Grand Prix going to be moved to a night race? Not immediately. Uh, they are looking at it, though. <laughs> you two are bad. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We just keep looking at each other like, what more mischief can we, can we yeah, bring yeah, to yeah. this pod? Uh, they are looking at it, but they're so, it's so far away, so far down the path. They think maybe, you know, because it is hot here. I mean, the drivers won't be complaining about standing in the sun if the sun's <laughs> yeah. gone down, I'm right? standing in the moon for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Under the floodlights. Um, but I, I don't think it's realistic uh, anytime soon. But again, it's it's... It would kind of suit the race a little bit, I think. Mm. But I, you know, I, I, I'm not sure about night races everywhere. We've got a lot of them already. I don't think this one needs to be a night race. Uh, and when you have the Florida weather like we have throughout most of this weekend, it looks great. Like the cars pop in the sunlight, uh, the runoff nice and blue and all that kind of stuff. It all just looks right uh, with the palm trees. I think under, under the lights, it wouldn't look so good. And also with Vegas being a night race, again, when you're talking about setting yourself apart, I think 
as different as this race can feel to Vegas, I think in the long run for Miami is going to be a good thing. It's been so enjoyable being back in person with the two of you, with you as well, Spencer. Thank you guys so much. Okay, for whoa, whoa, okay, okay, can, are we not going to mention the predictions that we made? Lawrence Wait. hasn't stopped talking on Thursday. On Thursday. Yes. We made some predictions about who's going to be on the yes, top three. Yes, we did. You yes, added did. Fernando Alonso <laughs> into your top. Yeah, and you picked both third. Red Bull drivers. I picked both Red Bull drivers. With Max Verstappen first, what Sergio Perez. I, I can't remember. I know. Fernando I know. Alonso I said third. Verstappen wouldn't finish. So, I think I can politely stand up. Well, you know what? Stand, stand up and take <laughs> your freaking bow right in front of that camera, man. Are, are you letting him well take a? Are, done. are you letting him take a bow for betting on death and taxes? Like I'll just point out. I nailed the first two, and I didn't get anything like that. Yeah. So, know, you know, a bit of bit of favor. You were in the lead right now. Yeah, so. true. true. And, and he's wearing a single one right. Oh, sorry. You were wearing the bucket. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Continue to do so because we really appreciate it. Cheers. <laughs>